Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to Rev with Rachel, where we recreate, enlighten, and vibrate in our radiance. I am Reverend Dr. Rachel Whetstone, but you can call me Rachel. I'm very happy to be here today for this episode titled A Philosophy for Spiritual Living with Reverend Joanne Bewald. Reverend Joanne Bewald worked in the investment field as a stockbroker for 34 years. She is the president, co-founder, and senior minister of Mind and Body Spiritual Center, now called Center for Spiritual Living, Minneapolis. Reverend Joanne received her ministerial license through Emerson Institute in 2006 and was later ordained by Centers for Spiritual Living in 2011. CSL, or Centers for Spiritual Living, is headquartered in Golden, Colorado. She has been a student of this philosophy called Science of Mind for over 30 years. Welcome, Reverend Joanne. Thank you, Rachel. I'm so happy to be here. This is my favorite thing to do is to talk about this philosophy because as you and I talked about, it is life-changing, it's transformational, and uh, if people want to uh, change their lives in any way, enhance their lives in any way, this is a wonderful philosophy, I believe, that uh, should be embraced. Oh, cool. And I know we've met years ago, and I've always just admired your calm and peace in your faith and knowing, and I just have always admired you for that. Thank you. And so I mentioned, you know, in your bio, science of mind, would you speak to what that is? What is the philosophy? And we'll go from there. Sure. Science of mind uh, was, is something that was started by a gentleman named Ernest Holmes in the early uh, 1900s. And what he did is he studied all the philosophies and all the religions, many, many places in the country and the world. And what he did is he came up with what he thought was a golden thread. What do we all have in common instead of what are we all uh, disagreeing about? And, of course, one of the things he came up with is the golden rule. All the major religions follow that golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And um, he put together his findings in a philosophy he calls science of mind. And just to give you... uh, (laughs) a thumbprint that, you know, we're not into dogma. What we talk about with science of mind really is, I think, an alternative for people who have gone through whatever their background was in religion and really it didn't work for them. There's so many of us that found difficulties in in being helped by uh, our religions, our, our traditional religions. And so then we turn our backs and what have we got? Many people today say, um, I am a spiritual person, but I'm not religious. This is a place for somebody that thinks that way. Don't want all that dogma. So basically, when people ask me, what what are your beliefs? I simply say, I believe there is but one power in the universe, and it's a power for good. 
And I know I am one with that power, that very power. I call it the Big Bang energy experiences life through its creation, through me, through everybody. And then the, when that happens, of course, when we are imbued by that creative power, our words, our expectations, our beliefs are powerful. That's kind of it in a nutshell. It's very simple. And yet we, we if you like, for instance, the writings of Michael Beckwith, this is his background. Uh, look at Wayne Dyer's writings. They all kind of speak to the same thing. Deepak Chopra's books. I'm particularly enjoying now some of these books written by people that are talking about quantum physics. Because oh, yeah. they say it works that way too. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's just a real uh, exciting time because I think we are all on the same page. This is a philosophy, I think, that's kind of come of age. There are so many good books to read. One of them uh, that I am going to think about, I, I got an invitation to take this philosophy into a prison for the first time in Minnesota. And it's not easy to get into these prisons because they've mm-hmm. got so many religions lining up to save the souls. And that is not what we do. We we do not uh, talk about sin and hell. I do not believe that there's a place called hell. I do believe there's an eternal life that our lives, this essence that we are, I believe that if the spirit were ocean, we are like a wave on that ocean. Mm-hmm. And that that essence will go on living forever. Um, so the, one of the books that I'm thinking about taking into the prison uh, is a book called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. Okay. Uh, written that, that oh, oh, it's just a great little book. Okay. And it's completely you know, science of mind type of philosophy, but very readable. Mm-hmm. And um, so the, the writings that are around that, that are readable and you could get into are, are really limitless. But as I said, I've been enjoying reading these um, books about quantum physics, showing uh-huh. about how everything is indeed energy. And yeah. it makes this whole philosophy make more sense. And kind of a, the term... I don't think we mentioned it yet as new thought is kind of the mm-hmm. umbrella term for uh, science of mind. And some of our listeners may have heard of Louise Hay. And right. she passed away mm-hmm. recently, but she, mm-hmm. she owned Hay House, which is the largest self-help publishing company in the world. And her teachings and books have just changed thousands of lives. Sure. And Wayne Dyer was a Hay House author and, mm-hmm. um, so just to give it some context for some people who have, may have sure. read her books are um, been familiar with Hay House. Yeah, we call it New Thought Ancient Wisdom because it's a new way of looking at, for instance, some of our traditional religions. And yet, you know, a lot of this stuff goes way back to the philosophers like Plato. And mm-hmm. uh, they all kind of talk the same. Uh, there's a power in life and, and uh, the golden rule. So it's ancient wisdom, new thought, and uh, some of the churches here, if, if you're not familiar with CSL, which is a smaller organization, although there are over 400 centers uh, nationwide, uh, a lot of them in California, in Colorado, and some on the East Coast. Um, but um, Unity uh, Church here in Minneapolis and St. Paul, I think there's 
probably four or five unity churches, and they too fall under that umbrella we call new thought. Yeah. Where it's not exactly traditional Christianity. Yeah. I know for me, when I found you in this teaching, one of the greatest shifts I experienced was at a forgiveness workshop that was being offered. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me shift and embody from being, I, you know, victim is a strong word, but Mm -hmm. that feeling of life just kind of happens. You're being dealt a hand and, um, that's just how life works. But I know that's how I had felt, you know, and people Mm -hmm. say things or, you know, stuff like that. But that helped me shift into this creator aspect where feeling like, the power is within me and um, it kind of helped me feel that we're come in with these core wounds for our soul to kind of experience and feel and to heal. And we have the power, you know, that's all kind of in us instead of out there. Like these people are doing this to me. We're, we're kind of attracting these circumstances to our life as a reflection of us and our wounds that we need to heal. Mm -hmm. And I found that so empowering. It changed my life and it changed my day-to-day experience of life, you know, to not to stop blaming and feeling like people are doing this stuff and, you know. (laughs) Sure. I I agree with you completely. And I really feel when we are harboring Forgive unforgiveness when we are harboring a resentment that we've justified. Yes, I've been done wrong, and that person is just, it doesn't do us any good. And when we, and I'm sure what you learned in that workshop, like we all learn if we take a look at it, is when we forgive someone or forgive ourselves, when we forgive other people, we're not saying, well, now you go your way and do all that naughty stuff. We are just simply saying, I'm not going to be burdened by this feeling of unforgiveness. It takes so much energy Mm -hmm. to be resentful and unforgiving. And once we decide, you know what, Um, that's not my deal to judge. We can just be forgiving and just say, "I, I, I don't condone it, but I'm not going to stand and judge and just beat myself and this other person up. It is harmful to us. So it really is important for us to take a look at a place in our lives. If we're holding on to a resentment or an unforgiveness or judgment that that person did something so wrong. I mean, even to the point of, um, of uh, being sexually molested as a child, for instance. We certainly are not going to condone that. We don't even have to hang around with the people we're forgiving. We just simply have to let it get off of our shoulders and go on with life. And when we're harboring that, it is difficult to go on in our lives. And what I was experiencing was um, sort of emotional triggers. I was getting emotionally triggered. And that was when, when I saw there was a forgiveness workshop, I was like, oh, th- maybe that will help me mm-hmm. to figure this out. And so sure. that when, when things come up, then I'm not spending a whole day ruminating about stuff from the right. past or, you know, what mm-hmm. this person did. And mm-hmm. so that was very healing for me to start, um, you know, taking the power away from all those like strong emotions that we can kind of get into a tailspin around. And yet even, you know, I can be in the shower and all of a sudden I realize I'm ruminating about something that happened 40 years ago and it's getting me all worked up. (laughs) But I catch myself, I catch myself and I say, you know, this is not where I, who I am. This is not where I'm going. 
I am just going to say now, get out of here, and I'm going to replace those crazy thoughts with some good stuff. And yeah. uh, just let it go. Because we do, I think, as humans, it, it, we these things happen. And what I find is exciting about my involvement in this philosophy is where a few, you know, years before I got into this, I might have spent a, a sleepless night or two or three. I might have mm-hmm. let this bother me for weeks on end. And I think there are people that live this way in in their lives. They just let things get to them. And it's sort of like their way of life. And now, at least when stuff comes up and I recognize it, I can say, you know, do I want to live with this or do I want to look at it? We we like to, to remind people we're not running from anything. We're, we're not sweeping things under the rug. We're looking at them and saying, you know, how do I choose to deal with this in an effective way? Yeah. And having an awareness around it instead of letting it just exactly. run off. Exactly. That yeah. is such a huge, uh, a huge word just to be aware. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's virtual office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's virtual office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's virtual office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. What would you say is the greatest shift in your perception of life that this philosophy has changed in you? Well, I think it's this whole idea that when I believe that there is one power for good in the universe, and I believe that power experiences life through its creation, through me, when I think about if spirit were the ocean and I'm a wave on that ocean, and I can, I have access to all that power, that power, that wisdom, that joy, the abundance, everything that's available to me. And that is so powerful to me. I love to think about that because then I can say, well, yes, this is, we're all going to have circumstances. We're going to have ups and downs in our life. I, I think that that's going to happen to us no matter what. And the whole idea is if we're having one of these down times, we can say, wait a minute, you know, I, I, I realize this is a circumstance I have to deal with right now. And it doesn't have to control me. It doesn't have to. I, I have a one saying that says no one or nothing has the power to steal my joy from me. And that's the truth. Even a, a, a negative happening, I know that I can say, yes, this is going on, life goes on, and I have a power that I can rely on, and I can come out on this. And I like to think of if, if life is a ladder, and I'm on this rung of a ladder, if something negative happens, I can deal with it, I can move up from wherever I am. It doesn't have to drag me down. Mm-hmm. So just that knowingness of what life really is, is is transformational for me. Yeah. I experienced through this teaching kind of words for what I had felt or just it felt like such a, a clear context and understanding of life that I didn't 
fully grasp in my religious upbringing. Mm -hmm. And that just changed so much for me when I felt like I kind of had words and um, things were speaking to me clearly, you know, without uh, being too abstract. And um, really that idea of being the part of the wave of the ocean, Mm -hmm. the entire ocean was really pivotal for me when in hearing that I, the concept of that divine spark is within all of us. Yes. And what is that divine spark? That is joy, mm-hmm. peace, harmony, balance. And the more and more we align with that part of ourselves, the more we liberate ourselves from all the other parts of us that are like kind of creating or bringing the drama or chaos or, mm-hmm. you know, the icky internal stuff. Exactly. I remember when I saw my first Science of Mind magazine. There's a little magazine that comes out monthly and it's got daily affirmations, but just really good, uplifting, wonderful stories in it. And um, I had had been uh, a part of a very fundamental Christian church uh, growing up. And when I got to be in my late teens, early 20s, I really was having a difficult time going to church and I didn't believe what I was professing to believe. And I had about a seven year, very difficult spiritual struggle. I, I didn't know an alternative and I could not imagine not being in that religion because it was so ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. And then one day as a stockbroker, this, uh, wholesaler selling oil and gas programs. He waltzes in from Denver and he talks about oil and gas programs. And then at the end of the day, he lifts up this little magazine and it's a science of mind magazine. He said, I don't mean to preach religion to you, but he said, this, this is a really good philosophy of life. And and it really helped me set goals. And I'm going to recommend that you might take a look at it. Well, in the day that many years ago, there were very few women brokers And so there was one other woman broker and myself in this room with probably 25 other brokers. And guess who really glommed onto this science magazine? (laughs) This other woman and I. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, man, I read that magazine and I thought, this, this, (laughs) this is what I can get my arms around. So really changed my life. Again, I I thought, wow, I I didn't know that there was words for what I believe. And that's exactly Uh what what you were describing. It's a very good little magazine. Yeah, I've loved that magazine. I would read that and I'd be in tears. Yes. Because it felt so true and Mm -hmm. resonated so deeply. Yeah. I I understand that, uh, and I haven't quite figured out the mechanics of it, but I understand that as I begin working with the prisons, um, these prisoners can write to Golden, Colorado, which is the home office for Centers for Spiritual Living, and request a copy a subscription to Science of Mind, and I understand that prisoners are given a free copy. So um, I am very happy about that. This I am so excited about going into this prison. Uh, we That's start, wonderful. yeah, we start on a Tuesday morning. We're going to be there one Tuesday morning a month, and we're calling it a study group. And I, I just was, I'm sure, so God directed to this mm-hmm. chaplain at the prison, and this is. Uh, this is the only max uh, level five maximum security prison in Minnesota. So we're talking to some pretty hardcore guys here. And yet 
I happen to know uh, one of those prisoners there. I, I visited with him, and he's a friend of somebody in our uh, group that knew his family. She's known him forever, and so she asked me to go visit him. I did, and and you know he's really had a transformation since since he got into that prison. It's only been a year. And my friend uh, from our center has been visiting him and giving him, uh, recommending books to him. And they have these wonderful conversations. So when I went to see him, he said, you should talk to this uh, chaplain. She's really nice. I did. And she was so excited and made arrangements for us to go in. So uh, to me, it's, you know, you talk about people who need healing from unforgiveness and from guilt and shame it's yeah. these prisoners i think we have so much to offer them that they may not have been offered before yeah and to tap into that part of them that is good and help them to feel that instead of the shame of i'm bad because mm-hmm. that shame is what keeps driving yeah. the behaviors and mm-hmm. i think I would, that would be so transformative rachel when you're talking about the transformation in your life and you asked about mine I'm thinking about some of the uh, people that go through the classes that we teach. Mm -hmm. And one of the women that went through a class a while ago, we have to do a project for the end of this. Most classes, you do a project. It can be a picture, it can be a collage, it can be an essay. Anyway, she, she, she painted this beautiful picture of the phoenix rising, that bird coming out mm-hmm. of the ashes. And, she, and you know, w- with tears, she said, this is me. <laughs> I yep. am, oh, it's just so moving to see yeah. people uh, go, go through that in such a positive way. Uh, another woman I remember years ago, when she first came to our center, she just couldn't stop crying. Her, li- her life was falling apart. She was angry. She was, uh, you know, kind of like in despair. Where do I go? Everybody's turning against me. Life is turning against me. And uh, within, I'm sure the first year or so, she turned into this creative, fun and positive person. We see it over and over mm-hmm. again. Yeah. And, and then there are people that come in that aren't, you know, they don't need to be down and out, but they do enhance their life by using some of these tools that we talk about. Yeah. For myself, I became so empowered. I think I lived a lot of my life disempowered. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think that I did that to myself. I think there's no one doing that to us. Yes, yes. (laughs) And yeah, so it was a big transformation. And my final project for that foundations class, I wrote a poem. Oh, that's and right. Yes. That was so huge because I didn't think of myself as creative, let alone uh. <laughs> a poet or anything. But right. this poem came out and um, you had me read it one at one of the Sunday gatherings. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's just uh, people make such uh, changes. And when I talk about tools, uh one of the tools is um, doing meditation on a regular basis where you really, uh, you know, just quiet yourself and listen to that voice within. Uh, we have a, a tool we call visioning, and that's sort of active meditation where we're basically saying to the universe, 
you know, uh, what is the highest and best for me in this particular area? And then there's a series of questions we ask, and, and, and it's an act of meditation because as you get ideas or words come to you or, or symbols come to you, you take your pen and write them down. So it's kind of an active thing. That's another tool we have. And, of course, um, one of the biggest tools that we really like to introduce people to uh, from the get-go uh, is what we call spiritual mind treatment or affirmative mm-hmm. prayer. Can I go into that a little bit now, Rachel? Yeah, I would love okay. to have you. Speak. Yeah, when we do uh, spiritual mind treatment, it's called affirmative prayer. And this do- doesn't mean, oh, they got their own deal and, you know, there's nothing else works. It does work. Prayer works. And what I was taught when I became a practitioner of this um, philosophy, I was told, There's two things you need to get a prayer manifested. One is intention. You have to know what you want. And -hmm. the second thing is feeling. And so I have no qualms. It wouldn't matter if I was talking to a Muslim, a Jew, or uh, a Lutheran Mm -hmm. (laughs) or a Catholic. I mean, because if I'm talking to somebody who I know cares about me, I want two things from them. I want them to know what my intention is with this prayer, and I want them to care about it. And usually if I'm asking somebody to pray for me, it's somebody who loves me. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if prayers are effective. The way we do this, um, what we call spiritual mind treatment, is we have it has five steps. And the first step we call recognition, and that is recognizing there is one power in the universe, and that power is a power for good. Uh, Ernest Holmes had a radio station, and his tagline was, there's a power for good in the universe, and you can use it. And that's recognition. And that's where we have to start. And as uh, before I came into this philosophy, my prayers were pretty pathetic, because I had that visual of that old guy sitting on the cloud who might be mad at me and he knew all the bad things I did and thought and, you know, probably wasn't going to listen to me and I had to grovel. And that, that I don't do anymore. I recognize there's a power for good in the universe. And then I remind myself that I am one with it. It experiences life through me. So Mm -hmm. I have within me the power to state the thing. So the first step, recognition. The second step, unity. And then the third step we call realization. This is what I want to be real in my life. We do not say supplementary prayers. Please, please, please forgive me. I'm a poor, miserable sinner. We don't say that. We (laughs) say because of this power within me, I say these words with authority and with power and with love. And I speak my word now, let's just say, for instance, for the, the people suffering with the fires in California. And even though that's a terrible situation for them and they've got some devastation they're looking at, I know the truth is about life, and that is all things can work together for good. And these people can have wonderful lessons. They can move actually up from here. Good can come into their life. And I declare that for them. I declare comfort for them. I declare that the spirit of love embraces them in all good and in strength and in knowingness. I speak my word with authority and love for them, knowing that they move on to good and more good. And then the the next step is thanksgiving. And for the most part, I make that real short. I just say, 
I am thankful that this is the way life works, that I speak my word and it is done unto me as I believe. That's usually my Thanksgiving step. And then the last step is release. And it's an important step because we want to let it go. Sometimes I have difficulty if I'm praying for somebody like my kids. Uh, I say the prayer and then five minutes later, I find myself worrying about it again. Well, that, that's not effective. So my release, sometimes I have to visualize it. I visualize putting this, this situation, this, this situation that concerns me, I visualize just putting it in a hot air balloon. It's a beautiful hot air balloon, all kinds of pretty ribbons, you know, how those balloons are so beautiful. And I visualize that I just let it go. Now, I know that's not literally the way it happens, but what happens to me then is I can let it go. I've mm-hmm. seen it go, and I know the universe is in charge, and good things will happen. So those are the five steps. Recognizing there's one power in the universe. Unity, I am one with it. Realization is where we state what it is that we are declaring in our life, and then the thanksgiving and release. I love that. And that's called spiritual mind treatment, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of really a big centerpiece of what we do. Because we teach people to pray like this and pray like this for other people. Mm -hmm. And it's just an effective effective way uh, to go through life, I believe. It is very healing. I've reached out to you on a number of occasions and said, Reverend Joanne, can you help me? You know, can we do a spiritual mind treatment? Because... There was a time when we were moving, had a bunch of things going on, and mm-hmm. I just could not see, like, feel clear in at peace. Right. And so I reached out to you, and uh, you were. And, and if that. you remember, I would have said to you, "Yes, I understand how this is upsetting for you, and how would this situation look if it were perfect?" And mm-hmm. then you tell me. And then that's what I declare. I declare peace. And even though uh, lots of stuff to do, Rachel is now filled with energy and her mind is clear and she's just just so excited and she feels so at peace. It's all good. That's the kind of prayer uh, 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 that we do. Just yeah. stating all kinds of uh, affirmative stuff around that situation. And we're doing it with power because that creative power is within us. Yeah, and then shifting into that trust of that life is handling for it, or God is handling it, or the universe, whatever you want to call it, is handling it. Right. You don't have to fret and mm-hmm. worry and uh, cry or whatever. Right. And one, <laughs> one of the practitioners, uh, she moved away now, but she was telling us a while ago, she said she had a guy she worked with, and she, says, she said to him, well, how you doing, John? And his answer was... Um, uh, oh, life is so easy for me, Diana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. How, what a thought to have instead of how many people go through life drudging and, oh, no, not this. This is going to be this huge thing. No, life is so easy for me. And I say that sometimes, too, when I'm in a situation that I realize I'm getting myself geared up to think, oh, this is yeah. going to be hard. <laughs> and then I just say, no, life is so easy for me. Why wouldn't yeah. it be easy when I have all that power of the universe available to me? Yeah. One of the uh, fellow classmates, when I took the foundations class, gave for her final project, she created these bookmarks for us that said life oh, is so yeah. easy for me. And I oh. use that all the time. Yeah. And it's very transformative. I, ha- mm-hmm. I used it 
uh, when my kids were younger and things weren't going peacefully and I wasn't mm-hmm. like a peaceful, calm, <laughs> Poppins kind of mom. And, uh, I would say to myself, I would say, being a mother is so easy for me. There you go. So easy yeah. for me. And I would tell myself that like a mantra over and over. Mm-hmm. And I also used it recently because I wrote a book in February and March. Mm-hmm. And I had to, you know, my background was writing research and to start writing more creatively and from my life perspective and like write from my own soul, you know, I kind of had to shift out of, I had a belief that writing was hard, (laughs) you know, and I think a lot of people are, or that writing is daunting or hard work. And Mm -hmm. so I would sit down and I would get this little dreadful feeling at the start of each chapter, like, oh no, I have a whole nother chapter, Uh right? It's going to be hard. And I would sit there and I would tell myself and I would take deep breaths and I would say, being an author is so easy for me. Writing is so easy for me. So I use that because I believe we can shift from life being hard and a struggle into creating ease and perceiving life as easy instead of you know, just one problem after another. Right. And uh, so I use that all the time. Sometimes when I am feeling like something bad is happening in my life and my my faith is kind of like not there and at times I've done things like I've asked the universe for a sign yeah and when I've done that you know then I then I it's so uh apparent to me that I am not alone uh Mm -hmm. that it's very helpful can I give uh an example or are we running out of time no go ahead okay uh, one of the one of the things I had this this um, spot on my lip and it was like blood that congeals or something and and you've seen it on people's lips they get a little black spot on there okay and and um, I watched it and it was kind of felt like it was growing because I could feel it but you know like I could feel it on my lip and then people started to say what's on your lip and I'm thinking oh now everybody's noticing it so I went to the dermatologist and. She said, oh, she said, this is the kind that you got these blood vessels, they go really deep. And, you know, if we were to cut that thing out, you would probably be disfigured and you don't want to do that. Just if it, you know, if you can just live with it. And I went home and I thought, you know, I, some reason, I just didn't want that thing on my lip. And I, I don't, it just seemed to be kind of grating on me. So I sat down and I prayed about it and I said, I really would like this thing by hook or by crook to go away. Mm-hmm. I speak my word that, that I have, my, my lips are now healthy and whole and I don't have this, this mar, this, this uh, horrible thing hanging on it. So um, the next day, I had to take my mother to a dermatologist. She had little spots on her face. You know how older people get, they get these moles and stuff and sometimes... They say, well, we should remove it because it could be precancerous or something. So I took her to this dermatologist in Cambridge, Minnesota. Neither of us had ever been to this dermatologist. And and, uh, we signed in on the first floor, and you go up to the third floor, and we sit down, and they start burning or freezing or whatever they're doing to get these things off of her cheeks. And she gets done with that, and that dermatologist looks at me, and he says, what's that on your lip? Hmm. <laughs> and I said, well, I talked to this doctor and she said that there's tentacles. 
And he, 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 it was so cute because he, he, he was in a swivel sliding chair and he slid that chair over to me. <laughs> he looked at it and he said to me, can I touch it? Yeah. <laughs> and so he, was, he said, I can take care of this for you. He, and then he said, what she was telling you, it's such and such and so and so. But she, he said, it's this and that. And I can just take it off for you. Oh, wow. And he said, you want me to do it right now? Yeah, I went downstairs, I signed in, came back up, and I thought to myself, how things work in a mysterious way, just like that, it yeah. got done, it got taken care of, and I have, I have several stories like that, and other people do too, we do not use our power the way we can, and, and we can make our lives so much more pleasant and happy and joyful uh, if we just keep in mind that we do have this power within us yeah and we can move it in any direction exactly and yeah and that's another point uh, might not be a bad thing to to you know our our thoughts are powerful our thoughts are powerful whether they're positive thoughts or whether they're negative thoughts if we're walking around feeling hateful, if we're walking around feeling fretful, if we're walking around feeling um, resentful about something, we are planting those seeds with our thoughts. That's what we are going to get in our life. So it's so important to keep our thoughts positive and constructive because as a man thinketh, so is he. Reverend Joanne, if any of the listeners would like to reach out to you for more information, how would they go about doing that? They can go to our website, uh, which is cslminneapolis.org. That's CSL, like C, Charlie, S, Sam, L, Minneapolis is spelled out, .org. And on the website, and they can read all kinds of stuff on the website, information about our philosophy, Uh, all kinds of good stuff on there. And there's a contact page, which will give you my telephone number. And it will also um, give you my email, I believe. So you can go in there and there's a way you can just uh, respond on the website. And that comes directly to to me as well. This teaching new thought and the philosophy has been very transformative. So I'm happy that we can share it with others. Thank you, Rachel. So I recently launched an app. It's called the Rachel app. You can find it in the Apple or Android stores. It has a free meditation timer in there and you can read my blog. There's also a subscription option if you want more features. So one of the things that Reverend Joanne and I talk about is the power of our mind and our consciousness and what we're doing with it. So there's something in there called power words that you can get a word that you can use as a mantra throughout the day or during a meditation to kind of get out of the ruminating or I know I use it when I'm driving. If I start thinking about stuff too much, I will just grab a word quick at a stoplight and use that word throughout the, throughout the rest of my drive. And that uh, helps me to reframe and get out of my negative thinking. But there's some other features in there. If you want to subscribe, you can check it out at www.rachelapp.com. And at my website, www.drrachelw.com, you can access Rachel's nine happiness and healing essentials. And that's a free gift for you if you want to check it out. It has information about several of my favorite tools for healing and transformation into radiance. And one of those on there that I talk about is Powerful Mind. 
With that, remember to rev, recreate, enlighten, and vibrate. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, be love. EWN Podcast Network.